This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is the High Hopes Podcast. I hope. It's a bunch of baseball nerds. Well, without the computers. Talking about the Philadelphia Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yo, it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. I am James Seltzer, and I am with a man who... Though we were supposed to record tomorrow afternoon after the midday show, he couldn't wait. We we are recording Monday night because Jack Fritz was that insane and hyped up to talk Phillies and to talk to you guys. So, Fritzy, what do you have to say for yourself? There's just there was so much momentum today around the Phillies. There first, you know, you wake up and you see the the John Morosi thing, and you're like, oh my god, this is a good start to the day. And then not only like. Maybe a half hour later, comes out with with Jason Stark dropping the absolute bombshell that the Phillies had. They were exchange, they were exchanging names with the Diamondbacks. Like that's something they were exchanging. Well, names. that's a, yeah, that's like a, a legitimate step in a process. You know what I mean? It's not just like, uh, oh hey, uh, let us know what you're doing with Goldschmidt. It's like, no, we will give you this for that. Like uh, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and and uh, we'll we'll get right into it, but. I don't like. I, I believe the Santana thing. I also don't blame the the Diamondbacks for saying no to that because um, they're they're looking to shed salary rather than bring on salary. And adding a Santana doesn't really make much sense unless maybe it's in an offset of a Granky deal or something like that. But the fact that you know Eflin's name was in it and and Stark got enough enough information that there was other young prospects involved, it feels like there's some decent traction there. No, no question about it. And we'll get to another. Stark bomb from uh, from late last week or over the weekend or whatever it was uh, as well a little later. But let's start with the Goldschmidt stuff because, like you said, that was kind of the news of the day and pretty much the reason that Jack moved our, uh, our recording time up. Um, I had to get is, it. Uh, we had to do this podcast. I was dying. Well, it was so funny because we were legit set to do it at 2 o'clock after my show tomorrow. And literally, I keep getting texts from Jack today going, I really want to record. I, we got to do high hopes. I, I need to do high hopes. The people need high hopes. And I'm like, all right, man. Like we were set for tomorrow, but like, let me see what I could do. And now it's uh, it's eight thirty on a Monday night, and uh, and we're rocking out for people. So um, I just did a thing. I couldn't wait a whole another day to talk about the Goldschmidt deal. Like by that. And, well, so let, let's jump into it real quick. That you mentioned Granky. For those who don't know, obviously he's 35 years old, but also. Owed what ninety six million or something? Hundred like and hundred and five. Hundred and five. Even worse over the next three years. So certainly in, in wake of uh, the Jake Arrieta deal, that is certainly something I think a lot of us would be gun shy about. But Jack, let, let's start with Goldschmidt and first the fact that the Phillies were were in on him to begin with, and then like, what do you do if he, I mean we've already got issues with first baseman, and I know Santana, 
you know, they would move him. And Goldschmidt, one year left on his deal at $14.5 million, but obviously someone they could look to resign would have money to resign no matter what they do this offseason. What do you think about this whole situation from a macro perspective? Yeah, I mean, anytime you get a chance to to add in Paul Goldschmidt, you kind of have to do it. And I understand, like, people are like, well, Hoskins is your first baseman. It's like, I understand, but Paul Goldschmidt is a freaking monster. I mean, his last, since 2013, every single year, he's batted 301 with a 406 OBP, and he's been a consistent 30 and 100 guy. Like, adding that guy to this lineup is insane, coupled with the fact that you're probably going to bring in Bryce Harper, and you have Goldschmidt, Harper is like a is a, is a dream, and then you have Hos- no, I can't I can't even Jack I can't I know. even I know so you have Hoskins who obviously would move back to first base, but like if you're adding in Paul Goldschmidt, get your ass back to left, Reese. Like I I don't I don't care. Like get get back to left field now. With Santana, if they add in Goldschmidt, like just trade him for some kind of reliever. Try to get rid of that money as best as you can. Um, you're not like you don't need Carlos Santana at that point. I still think he has value in in, in the league, but. If you're getting Paul Goldschmidt, just get rid of Carlos Santana for whatever it takes. Like, cause then, then all your leverage is pretty much gone. So, uh, I'm good. I'm good with moving Santana for, for whatever to open up a spot for Goldschmidt. And also, I don't want to go too crazy here, but I think there's a legitimate chance that Goldschmidt could play third base. Like, if, if Carlos Santana can play, can play third base a little bit, Paul Goldschmidt is one of the best first base defenders in the entire league. And I was watching some of his defensive highlights today. The guy's a cat over, the guy's a cat over there, James. I, I agree. I agree with you. He is a terrific. I was going to bring that up if you didn't, but. Uh, there's nothing I love more than the fact that you were watching Paul Goldschmidt defensive highlights. You are the, you are such a nerd, and I love it. I was I was very nerdy today. I didn't leave. That, my I mean cou- that that's like next level nerdiness type stuff. Right I didn't there. leave my couch for a couple hours. Well, and to your point though, look, regardless of of we don't know whether he can or can't. Obviously, we we um, you know you, we could suppose when you look at how how agile and how athletic and how good he is as a first baseman that he could potentially handle the corner and I do think he played some outfield the minors I could be wrong about that um, but like you said look it's one of the reasons he he's the the first baseman with the most stolen bases in baseball every year he's not like your average first baseman from an athletic perspective and the Phillies have shown that they will go outside the box they will they will not let something as silly as can he play third base be a reason not to bring in a top 15 hitter in the game, 10 hitter in the game, you know, certainly top 10 over the last, you know, five years. You wonder, you know, going forward, um, still obviously not super old. Was he 31, 32? So, um, I, I look, Jack, I, I think you hit it on the head when you, when you open it up and said, um, whether it's Hoskins going back to left field or them getting creative or whatever, you have a chance to go get Paul Goldschmidt when a team like the Diamondbacks is so clearly willing to just sell right now. They are looking to shed salary. And and Goldschmidt, only a year left on his deal, not an asset that might be as valuable if they had traded him a year ago or something. I think this is a spot where you get a chance to get that guy in here, even if it's for a year and then, like you said, him and Harper together, they, you know, like that's the kind of thing where they'll be able to pay him. Um, I just, I love the idea of saying, hey, there is a premier talent that for some reason we have an opportunity to get. Let's try and get him. Yeah, and it's not like the Santana thing where you're bringing in a guy who I think has value, but obviously the 226 batting average. Oh. And you're like, you're adding. Paul Goldschmidt and moving He's a t- like I said a top 10 hitter in the game over the last five years p- purely statistically speaking no question 
Yeah, and obviously with the Hoskins thing, it, it does kind of stink because you put him back in left field. But there's there's you, the the offensive upside of a lineup with Hoskins, Harper, and and Goldschmidt is is ridiculous, and you don't really have a choice but to but to go after him. Now the question is, what does a what does a, a package for Goldschmidt look like? It's and it's a great question. I know you uh, you wrote an. Uh, article on WIP with a potential uh, uh, trade package. That's how bored I was. Uh, and and I love that about you. The nerdiness continues. But uh, it's a great question because I think you kind of hit on something interesting there. When we're, we're talking about what the Diamondbacks are doing right now, it really does seem like, and from what they've said, shedding salary is almost as big a concern as rebuilding and what they get in return. So... The Phillies, one of the teams in a unique position, as we've talked about, where not only do they have a lot of money to go out and sign big-name free agents, but they can afford to take on a contract or two if if that's something that could get a deal done that really favors them from a baseball perspective. Yeah, and if, if, if I'm the Granky, Granky's the the he's the wild card, right? I mean, like again, that 105 million for a 35 year old with three years left to play. Not to mention a 35 year old who has proven to be very finicky in terms of where he wants to pitch, where he likes to live, how he goes about his business, all that type of stuff. Yeah, and if I'm the Phillies, my main goal uh, this offseason is to take on salary so it reduces the amount of prospects you have to give up or of or, or player-wise. So if it is taking back a Granky, if it's one of those things, um, it, it, it it's something you kind of have to do with the money that you have so you're not giving up uh, more prospects, more players in, in that situation. Like Obviously, as a three years. Uh, 105 million dollars left, or 104.5, whatever. If you if they pay what five million dollars of that, which I think sounds fair, that's three years, 90 million. They're paying down 15 million of the contract. Like that's something I would do because I think Granky. I know he's 35, but he to me he could age well. I think he ages he's very a- well. He's already aging well. We saw it at one bad year. Was it two years ago? And has has really bounced back from it. Everyone thought he was kind of done then, and uh, I think it was the first year of the contract with Arizona, and then two really nice years back to back. Yeah, and he, obviously he's not going to be the guy that we, we saw at the height of his powers, but it's not like an Arietta thing where all the all the signs are there that this guy is pretty much washed. I don't I don't I don't think that's the case with Zach Granke. I think Granke is a guy that maybe it's only eighty eight to ninety one now, but he's such a smart, advanced pitcher that he uses his changeup. It's a Bugs Bunny changeup that that guys just have never been able to square up. He still has the off speed, and now he added in that Ethis pitch. Like Granke to me is a guy that uh, listen. Obviously, he's a massive overpay, but Three years, ninety million. You can kind of, and with Arietta coming off the books, possibly after this year, that frees up some money for an expensive older older guy like Granky. Um, so I'm in. Like if, if it takes that to get back Goldschmidt, and you don't have to give up uh, your top top level prospect guys, I, I like that plan a lot more than say, listen, we got to get we got to give up Medina, Bohm, Bohm or Hazley, and also major leaguers because if you're bringing back Granky. You're not going to be giving up as much because look, if you're if you're evaluating that deal, you're getting back Cranky, who is going to be a massive cost, and you have Goldschmidt on a one year deal. Like that's a lot of that's a lot of risk that a team has to take on. Like and if you're the Phillies, you take that risk because of the money you have and for the players Paul Goldschmidt. But the D backs are not going to get what they're looking for back in value in a, in a Paul Goldschmidt trade. Yeah, like I said, especially with only one year left on his deal, it's a one year thing. It's you know, maybe if they wait till the deadline, they could get more from from a team that's in the race. But um, it would be smart of a team to, to go after him now and get a full season of him. Uh, and like you said, look, the Granky deal, 
Uh, I do think he will age well. I agree with that. But it does certainly limit Arizona's asking power if that's something they want to include. Because I agree with you. I would much rather. By the way, we just totally skipped. Because we have so much to get to. We're skipping over Bugs Bunny curveball. But we're going to get back to that someday. (laughs) Um, But uh, we have too much to get to, Jack. Too much important stuff to talk about. But, um, yeah, I'm with you. Because I do think you're right that... Um, the type of package, if they're looking in terms of prospects, they would want, it would certainly be one of those guys, a Medina or a bomb. And I think you'd much rather find a way to take on salary and give up some slightly lower level prospects than those guys. And, uh, use that as a way to, to get Goldschmidt in here for a year and, and really stack the deck from an offensive perspective. Yeah. Um, so Jack, what, like what, what? How realistic, before we move on from Goldschmidt, how realistic do you think this is? Is this something that Phillies fans should be legit excited about? We get excited about all of it, but is it something where it's a pipe dream, or or do you feel like this is something that maybe could happen? My gut's telling me it doesn't happen. Um, it just feels like it's a weird fit, and maybe the maybe the kicker really was Santana being added into the deal. I would be surprised if that was the case, but um, the fact that the deal didn't get done right then and there uh it feels like if you're trying to 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 gauge who would have leaked that it feels more like an arizona leak than than it does a phillies leak Uh, so maybe they want a little bit more from the phillies and if they leak it to a a fan base that is as rabid as this fan base is maybe the it puts the pressure on the team to to add in more to to the deal but like the deal the deal i laid out on 94wip.com i think it made a lot of sense i mean it was it was medina um, O'Double. Uh, who else did I lay out on that deal? I forget my own deal. That's how good of a deal it was. But it oh, was that means it's a great one. That's the sign <laughs> of a great deal. Uh, oh, so first off, Eflin was the guy who was starting the whole uh, deal. Of course, Eflin. Yeah, which I exactly. was shocked. Like, aren't you kind of shocked that Zach Eflin was the headline of a deal? I was, but you, you you think back to the Machado at the trade deadline stuff, and it seems like and and i think it's fair to say that you could say Eflin's second you know struggles over portions of the second half were due to to you know a, a larger innings limit than usual and all that type of stuff but um it does seem like he's more highly regarded around the game than we regarded him or than i think um we still regard him yeah and Listen, if, if Eflin's going to be the guy that's going to headline a deal, I'm very happy with it. I think Eflin... Very happy. Like, if you want to believe in Zach Eflin as a possible like three-starter, by all means, do it. I mean, I, th- I like Eflin with his fastball. We, we saw last year his, his fastball up in the zone seemed to be a game-changer for him. But still, like, his off-speed pitches probably aren't good enough. So, listen, if you want to take a shot on Eflin's upside, he's only 24, maybe you can figure it out. That's fine. I would just rather keep Pavetta and... Maybe not Vince Velasquez around, but uh, the deal the deal that I laid out was Eflin, Medina, Odubel, and Archimedes Gamboa. So the the Diamondbacks basically get Zach Eflin, who if he's already being uh, the headliner in a deal, I don't know why they would take him off the table. It feels like the Diamondbacks seem semi-interested in him. Adonis Medina, he's going to get traded this offseason. He was in the he was in the Machado deal at the deadline last year. Uh, I think he is a guy that they're going to put in every single trade package this offseason and try to get some high upside pieces to come back and, and, and put with Harper 
or Machado. And it feels like Medina is the guy that everyone's just like, this is our, this is the guy we're giving away. He has the upside of being a number two starter. Um, and if it's in a, if it's in a deal for, for Goldschmidt, I'm happy. If it's to the Mariners in a, in an Edwin Diaz and Gene Segura trade, I'm happy. If it's to the Royals for Whit Merrifield, I'm happy. Like I think Medina is going to be the headliner in some kind of major trade for the, for the Phillies this offseason. Uh, the Diamondbacks get back an actual pitching prospect, which they never seem to have. And then, uh, Oduble is obviously this is a sell low on Oduble, but you're kind of getting out from him if you don't believe in him long term. And for the Diamondbacks, you're getting a guy on a valuable contract who had one super down year, but was very, very, very valuable before that. And, um, you have an AJ Pollock replacement, which AJ Pollock is obviously a free agent. Always banged up, but he's not going back to Arizona. So you get a cheap. I don't even think it would AJ cost Powell that much, Jack. And, uh, I think that uh, look, Gamboa I think it, has like a major uh, liberty glow. It's the type of trade you need the bat to come around a little bit, but still, the Phillies just protected him left, in the Rule Five draft, so they must value him left, a I don't think there's any other team on the market, especially a, a thin market in terms of who needs a first baseman, um, in terms of contending teams and all that. I just I don't know if Arizona is going to get what they want for Goldschmidt, and I think that they might be forced to resort to a type of deal where they get less because they give a Granky away with it, like we talked about. But um, I, I do agree with with the premise that Adonis Medina is likely to, if he has major league success, it be with another franchise, not with the Phillies, because I do think he is. One of those guys whose names are on all these types of trades, and like you said, whether it's a Merrifield or a Goldschmidt deal or whatever, um, I, you know, I think Medina is the type of name who you will see going somewhere else, or maybe another deal um, we talked about uh, as well, but uh, or we will talk about as well. I mean, but um, still some other names, and I I know that um, uh, Jack would would talk about Paul Goldschmidt for the entire podcast and then we would be done the podcast and then Jack would be texting me about Paul Goldschmidt, but there's more to get to Jack. So yeah, it just is so important. I can't. Uh, it's very important. And I'm with you. I think it's probably unlikely to happen because of, like you said, I think the fit and the likelihood that I think that what the Phillies will give up uh, will, uh, if they're the best deal on the market, I think that Arizona might still consider waiting till the trade deadline. There are just so many variables, but Another team, in addition to the Diamondbacks, that is tearing it down, as they say, already traded James Paxton to the Yankees. We were on the outside of that one, but uh, Phil's linked to a couple Mariners. One that I mentioned in my offseason plan is you've been, uh, we'll get to that too, is you've been coming around on things you ripped me for when I made them uh, during my offseason plan. But Sometimes you got to rip, James. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, like I just said, you go back and then you're like, oh, Oh, wait, he was right. My bad. Um, Listen, man, I watched the tape. I had to watch the tape. Me and Hugh Jackson both have to watch the tape. I think that's and fair. And I, I did that on some free agents. That's good. And uh, your your takes before were Hugh Jackson-like. Um, Ed, oh, shut up. Edwin Diaz, the guy I mentioned, I said I was very in for trying to make a play for him. And then, uh, of course, Gene Segura, who it feels like has bounced around to many a team and yet always – uh, consistent and certainly had some big time years as well. Uh, what do you think of those two names and what it might take to get them if the Phillies are really interested in, in getting one or both of them? Well, obviously, Edwin Diaz is amazing. I mean, 57 saves last year, a 195 ERA. I mean, he's 25, which is great. He has four years of team control left, so you don't have to worry about that. He's he might be the cheap. best relief pitcher asset, just pure asset. 
in baseball right now, or one of the best relief pitcher assets in baseball right now. Yeah, and if if you're comparing him, I think this is the most fair comparison is to the Craig Kimball trade to the Padres because uh, they're both the same age, both 25. And in that deal, it was like the number 30-some prospect, 50-some prospect, and like 70-ish prospect for um, for Edwin Diaz or for Craig Kimball. And in a trade for for Edwin Diaz, now I think you can work in some major league talent and work in. Obviously, uh, Donos Medina and and some other guys. It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna take a lot, but I think they're gonna be more willing to part with major league guys. Like when I when I look at the guys on the Phillies roster right now who are expendable, it's Cesar, Franco, and Otubo. I would say the most three that that seem to make the most sense from being expendable. And when I look at the Mariners, they already have D Gordon at second base. I don't see I don't see Cesar really being a fit there. Um, and plus, Robinson can know whatever happens with that. He may play first, or they may trade him. Whatever. Um, and third base, they have Kyle Seeker, who already ha- they already have a big contract uh, too, so they won't be looking for Franco there. Dubo makes the most sense for again for a team that does not want to spend big uh, as a small market team. Dubo can come in, go to Seattle, and and hopefully be a valuable player. So maybe him, Medina. Again, I think him and Medina are the headlines to any deal. But if I'm going to go for if I'm going to go for Edwin Diaz, I don't want to give up a crazy package for a reliever. Like I love relievers and I think they're very important in today's day and age. If I'm doing this deal, I really want Gene Segura in the deal as well. Like I I want Segura to be in the deal so you can get some kind of player value back and you're not just spending a crazy amount of prospect and player value on an Edwin Diaz. Yeah, and look, I think that's fair. Uh, look, either way though, I, I think I think Edwin Diaz, like you said, four years of control, what he's done already, what he's shown already. I mean, as electric as electric gets in terms of stuff and watching that dude pitch. And like you said, 57 saves for a team that, you know, if I never have to talk about uh, Philly's back end of the bullpen, ninth inning save type of problems again, it would be the greatest thing that ever happened to me in my life. Um, But... And he's just a guy who, though, like you said, with four years of control and is such a valuable asset in my mind and someone who you can really – With Sir Anthony and him, you can kind of like lock down the next four years of your back end of your bullpen or, or whatever of your bullpen. And that's not even talking about some of the other guys they could bring in. But um, I do understand your point uh, because it, it feels it feels like a lot to give up those type of prospects for a relief pitcher only type deal. And listen, and Segura would be helpful. He's a shortstop, a really good player, uh, been around the block. And uh, I, I, I just think you would have to give up a little more to get Segura in the deal is the thing. And I think I'm, I think I'm fine with that because Segura is under a cheap contract until 2022. Like he's on, he's on a good team friendly contract until 2022. He's batted 300 out of the last three years. He's batted 300 every single year. A two-time All-Star during that time plays a plays a good shortstop, a solid shortstop, and also he played second base uh, for the for the Diamondbacks in like 2016. So if yeah, you need to move him there, he's played like um, uh, hundred almost a full season's worth of game at second base. I think over his career, close to it. Right, doesn't strike out. Um, he's he to me he's a valuable offensive piece, and uh, I would almost rather go after him than like a Whit Merrifield because I think Merrifield is going as a guy that's going to cost a lot more prospect wise. Like Whit Merrifield I think has uh one more year until he becomes arbitration eligible and he's also 2 years older than Segura. Um and I'm not and he's not that much better where you can't go after a Gene Segura. So 
I would rather overpay for Edwin Diaz and Gene Segura, and 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 that's the back of your bullpen and also your shortstop um, for the next four years. Yeah. Four years that gives you a nice little window. You you give away the high upside prospects. You add in a Harper. Uh, it feels like it's a it's a good plan. Uh, look, I'm with you. Like I said, I like Segura. Someone who has produced pretty much everywhere he's gone. A very sound defensive shortstop. Maybe not the best, but solid. Gets the job done. Gets the job done. Um, Look, which is uh, more than we could say for a lot of what we saw last year. But uh, but Diaz would be the real prize of any deal with that. And and like I said, I mentioned him in my my, perfect off-season plan uh, as someone who – I think whatever you pay for him, it's probably worth it. Uh, he's that. I'm just shocked. Type he, of talent. Do you think he's actually? Do you think he's actually available? I don't know. Like, I'm shocked That's he's my available. thing. I feel like it's one of those things where it's the oh everyone's available, and then you ask for Edwin Diaz, and they're like, yeah, give us Reese Hoskins, Sixo Sanchez, and Adonis Medina. You know, like I like not literally, but the kind of thing where everyone's available, but some guys might be available, but no team is going to pay what it costs to get them. But who knows? I mean, look, if a guy like Edwin Diaz actually is available and they're willing to trade him, that's certainly someone I would want my team kicking the tires on and seeing what they could do. Um, Jack, you mentioned Merrifield real quick before we move on. You you said you would prefer Segura over Merrifield because I think I kind of agree just in terms of, of value of, um, versus, you know, what, what the cost, uh, position, you know, defensive ability. I, I know Merrifield plays multiple positions. He's certainly a better hitter, probably a better uh, base runner at this point. But um, Segura, like you said, a cheap contract. You don't have to worry about those arbitration years, and you would have to give up less to get him in theory, if he, even if he's part of a Diaz deal. Yeah, and I, I love Whit Mer- Merrifield. I think he's a very good player, and uh, obviously it hurts to say no. But Gene Segura is... A, a, a comparable player, um, and obviously would cost less prospect wise. And I don't know what I don't want. I don't know what what Merrifield's next contract is really going to be. Like it could be a pretty big deal for a guy going into his mid thirties. It was also a super late bloomer. So I'll take a guy. I'll take I'll take Gene I mean, he led the majors in hits. I think what three three years ago. So um, doesn't have problems striking out. Uh, has batted over three hundred with three forty OBP. Like a very valuable player and. Uh, Sorry, Wit, but we're we're taking Segura. See you, Wit. All right, couple more things to get to. Uh, obviously, we've talked a ton about Harper and Machado, and those kind of being the, the focal points of what the Phillies will do uh, uh, this off season. And of course, we all are. We are all at the point where if if for some reason Bryce Harper didn't sign with the Phillies, we would be catastrophic. That's how sure we are we're going to get it. Yeah, uh, but. But um, interesting report from John Morosi. Uh, was it today or yesterday? This, that, this uh, morning, today. yeah. Yeah, that saying that the Phillies aren't going to wait for those guys, that they are going to go about their business, as it were, if those guys don't give them answers, um, which, look, it's easy for the Phillies to say that if it is real because they can afford to wait money-wise, they can sign those guys and do the other things and are, are probably planning to. Um, and also probably feel pretty good about getting Harper to begin with. But what did you make of that whole thing 
from Rosie. Yeah, so Rosie said, for weeks the baseball industry has identified the Phillies as a probable, probable destination for Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, or both. But what if the Phillies spend aggressively this offseason and yet land neither? That scenario is very much in play. He labels it out and it says, uh, he ends it with, in practice that approach means the Phillies could sign a starting pitcher, closer, and an outfielder who costs less than Harper. Sources say the Phillies have interest in starters Patrick Corbin, Nathan Ivaldi, and Jay Happ. Uh, closers Craig Kim- We've talked about you know a lot on this show, obviously. Right. Closers Craig Kimbrell and Zach Britton, and outfielders Michael Brantley and A.J. Pollock. So basically, I guess what he's laying out is that they're not going to wait around for Harper or Machado to make the decision. They're going to go out and be aggressive um, starting now. And I think that's a good thing because, one, one, it puts pressure on those guys to make a decision. Like the, Them not waiting around is showing that they're not going to – just wait hand and foot for what these guys are going to do. And in reality, like they have so many holes and so many decisions they have to make on players like them. They, they can't wait all off season because then the players that they need to trade ultimately are going to start losing value. Like Franco, Cesar, Odubel, those kind of guys are going to start losing value the longer they wait into, into free agency because guys are going to pick teams. So they need to act now. And I don't think this means that they're going to like, screw themselves in a Harper Machado thing because they can still just add them in, no problem. But they need to start figuring out the rest of their roster and not miss out on guys because they're waiting for Harper or Machado. Yeah, I agree philosophically, but I think this is one of those situations where they are Harp I think they're they're mutually exclusive, these two things. I think that what the Phil look, they are they have said we have heard so many things. They're they're willing to try and get both those guys. They're willing to try and get one of those guys in Corbin and other guys and this and that. They can afford to go out and sign other guys, make other moves with the either belief or thought they might know they're going to get one of those two guys or expect to get one of those two guys or uh, just hoping that they do. So I, they are in a, a position where they can afford to do that. Like they're not going to, if Bryce Harper and or Manny Machado or their first choice or whatever it really is, wants to come here, they are coming here. No matter what the Phillies do before then, this is not like, it may be uh, seemingly to some in public an ultimatum or something. It's not, it's not at all. This is not a, we're not going to sign you guys because we're going to go sign A.J. Pollock and Michael Brantley instead. Um, maybe, look, the, 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 if, if it were a situation where they believe Harper's not coming here, then that could be a way to, to go about you know, kind of camouflaging that and doing other things. But that's not the read I get. I think this is just one of those spots where they're just, they're just going to be aggressive. And, you know, they're way, and I think that, look, like I said before, Jack, I think it's, like you said when we talked about the Nightingale thing, that Harper to the Phillies feels like the worst kept secret in baseball. So I think that likely they are operating from the perspective that they believe they're going to get Bryce Harper and, and they can go about their business. Yeah, and hopefully a part of this is like, hey, man, two weeks, Las Vegas, let's end it. Let's let's not let this drag on. We'll give you whatever. We'll give you obviously $400 million, whatever it takes. Please just sign <laughs> sign fast or faster. Um, and I think today, I think it was a little bit of a putting on the pressure. But I agree with you. Ultimately, it's not going to really change much of the uh, of their outcomes. Um, all right, Jack. Uh, and um, actually, real quick uh, before we uh, before we move on to to some moves that are actually made, I mentioned this before, and and we have to at least touch on it. The the other Stark bomb that came out. What was it over the weekend? Or yeah, it was like Friday. Friday. It was Friday. Yeah. Uh, oh, hey, yeah, the Phillies, uh, something that you and I have talked about, my friend. 
uh, mostly in a fun dreamlike way. But Harper and Trout, Jack, may be a real thing. Yeah, I mean, Stark did it. He said it, but he didn't really say it. I don't know. I wish I was more excited reading it. Like, I left it feeling like, yeah, I mean, this is kind of the general consensus. and Which is what we've talked about. You and I have expected this. We've talked about the potential for that. Just because they're in on Harper doesn't mean that if they can get Mike Trout, they're not going to try and get Mike Trout. We've talked about Trout winding to home, the no-trade guy. We've had a million conversations about this, but still one of those things when you see a guy like Jason Stark put it out there like that. Yeah. like. I think there's there's something to be taken away, however small it is. And also, like, I love how he was trying to say how, well, uh, they may not be able to afford it. It's like, dude, <laughs> like Jason, let's let's talk. Dude. Let's talk for a second. Uh, they're gonna dude. they're gonna overpay. They're gonna pay for Har- Harper and Trout if it's if it's possible. So let's just relax on the whole. Well, they may not be able to afford it thing. Uh, they would definitely be able to afford it. And yeah, the whole Trout thing's interesting. Obviously, there's there's a lot of people on on Twitter and a lot of people on Philly's Twitter that poo-poo any kind of idea to Mike Trout coming to Philadelphia. And it's funny, like, they all poo-poo it, and everyone in the national media is kind of like, yeah, no, there's, there's legs to it. So obviously it's, it, obviously it's a major pipe dream to, to, to believe that Mike Trout will come home and play for the Phillies. But he's so much different than almost any other athlete that, I, totally. that I've ever— It's not ridiculous. It's not ridiculous is the point. It's just not. Like, it's just not. Like, there's— whether or not it happens, it is not an absurd thing to say. It's not like just saying, like, oh, uh, that guy's from here, so he's definitely going to want to play here. It's a different situation. It feels like a unique situation with this particular guy and this situation. And especially because uh, Stark labeled that he wants to win eventually, which is a good thing. I would hope that he would want to win sometime and not yeah, <laughs> not I, get I swept hope. up. Yeah. And at that time— Thanks, Jason. Dynamite dropping, Jason. And at that time— when the Phillies either are, are well, let's say two years from now, the Phillies will have Harper. They'll, they'll start looking like a, a, a top-flight contender in the National League. If Mike Trout sees that and says, hey, I'm, I'm also from there. I love being around the area, all that stuff, and I get to play for a winner? Like, I, I don't know. I think, I think he'd be more willing to come home. Like, I said this many times. I'm coming home. Oh, my God, the city would melt. But I'm just saying that. I rem- the, the, the most thing that sticks out to me when we've talked about Mike Trout and when we talk about him being from Philadelphia, like when the, he was in the Angels organization when the, when, the, when the Phillies got Roy Halladay and Mike Trout came running downstairs and said to his dad, Dad, we got Roy Halladay. And his dad said, the Angels got Roy Halladay? And he said, no, the Phillies got Roy Halladay. Like that to me is a guy that would love to come home and be viewed as a savior. He sees how Carson Wentz is handled here. He sees how Joel Embiid is handled here. Now you bring in Mike Trout and add him to Bryce Harper. And for all these people that are like, well, he doesn't want to come under the scrutiny of Philadelphia. It's like, dude, Chase Utley was garbage his last two years here. And he will forever be revered and never booed in this town. And, and Mike Trout coming here would be Chase Utley on steroids with the amount of love that guy would get. So... Like, I don't think he has to worry about any outside pressures of not bringing a championship to Philadelphia. This city just wants to see Mike Trout play in Philadelphia because he's the best player in baseball. He's semi from here, even though Millville's like, what, 70 miles away? Um, I just think it's, it's so much different than any other case. And for everyone to just, like, poo-poo it, I, I, I don't know what they're looking at. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I think it is – it's – like, look, like I said, it might not happen, but there is certainly – 
reason to believe that it could from all the things Jack laid out and from the situation in Los Angeles, an Angels team that yeah. really doesn't have a path towards contending any time in the near future. And trading a guy like Mike Chout, especially if he doesn't want to be there, uh, if they're not going to compete, is uh, is really a uh, the type of situation right. where you don't want to not have that guy, but that's the only way to really start your franchise over again, too. And the one thing, and this 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 is kind of tricky, but there's a there's a small part of me that doesn't really want to go after Goldschmidt or Machado, so that because it, it pretty much oh me too to wait for trout I same thing same thing a, like I'm not saying don't get Paul Goldschmidt if you can get Paul Goldschmidt don't get Manny Machado there is a part of me that is is semi worried it would take them out of the trout sweepstakes if they go and because I don't think you can have three forty million dollar a year guys right but Goldschmidt Goldschmidt wouldn't if you end if it ends up being a one year type deal but that would also hinder what you pay for him but. Um, it's a really interesting situation, Jack. And I, and I, look, I don't think it's crazy, especially if Jason Sark is putting it out there. Like, it's not like he doesn't, Jason Sark is not a clickbait guy. Yeah. You know, like there's at least something there. All That's right. A, it, did, uh, it did feel like a Middleton leak. It felt like, uh, it feels like, like Mike Trout is almost Middleton's white whale. A lot like Halliday was Ruben's white whale. It kind of feels the same kind of way. Well, it feels like Trout is all of our white whale. Jack. He should be. Um, all right, uh, CJ Cron claimed off waivers. Jack wanted to make sure we huh. mentioned that. Just it, it thins out the uh, the first base market, I suppose, with the Twins for for Santana. Maybe yeah, but, the Twins made a lot of um, sense for for Santana. I think this was one of those uh, not really necessary, but I love the deep baseball call there. Um, this is interesting. Quickly as well, the Braves make a couple moves today. Brian McCann, who cares? Everyone's like talking about like it matters. Brian McCann's been done for years now. He can't catch up to uh, a sure. fastball. He's like a, yeah, dude, he can't catch up to a fastball. He's breaking down. But uh, Josh Donaldson on a one-year deal, I think that's a, a, a fine move. Yeah, uh, it was. It, it's formally known as. Something we talked about as a potential move. The Phillies, we would like to see the Phillies do. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's now known as the J.J. Reddick contract. So the one-year, $23 million severe overpay. Um, but it makes sense for the Braves because they have Austin Riley coming up. If Donaldson looks like an MVP caliber Josh Donaldson, which I, I don't think he is, I, I would be shocked if he returns to MVP. Oh, I, I really doubt right. it. Right, but I still think he's a valuable player. Like I think he's a good player still in today's league. Um, I don't think it's enough. I don't think he'll play well enough to where they trade Austin Riley, but it does give them some uh, ability to kind of ease Austin Riley into being the third baseman there. So don't have to just throw him in there and expect him to carry or help out a, a team that's competing for a World Series next year for the Braves. But um, the Phillies really couldn't make a move on Donaldson with Franco still on the roster uh, or Santana still on the roster. So I'm not going to kill them for going after him. And, uh, yeah, I, it wasn't the right time for a Donaldson move for this team. No, it was the right time for the Braves. That was a smart signing by them. And I always say, and I know $23 million is a lot of money, and he could break down and, and play 80 games. I could certainly see that happening. But um, I'm a big uh, there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal type of guy. And yeah, yes, buddy. You might, you might lose some money on one, but they're always a good risk in my book. Fritzy, all right, final thing before we get out of here, uh, a total pivot from what we talk, we've been talking about. And uh, and on the outline, Fritzy just put Hall of Fame voters. I'm thinking that this is not a a positive comment about Hall of Fame voters. Jeff. I hate Hall of Fame voters. I do too. And I, I hate the whole thing. I al- I'm I'm so mad about it all. I always forget how much I hate Hall of Fame voters until 
right about now, when, when the Hall of Fame ballots start coming out. And I was enraged this morning. Uh, let, me, let me go find who this fraud was. Uh, Anthony Ryber, okay? Anthony Ryber laid out his ballot. And on his ballot, he has, well, first off, he has correctly, he has Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. He has Edgar Martinez and Mike Mussina. He has almost, all right, this is where it gets wrong. Well, first off, Kurt Schilling is an absolute Hall of Famer, and he'll probably get in when he, when he passes away, which won't be for a while, I don't think. But Kurt Schilling is, a, is an absolute lock Hall of Famer. I, I, I understand he's a terrible human being, but there's a lot of bad human beings in baseball. And that guy, for 10 years, there was no one I'd rather have in a big moment. No, yeah, I think we both agree he's a uh, he's a Hall of Fame caliber player. He's just such a a-hole. But this fraud puts in first off, he puts in Omar Vizquel, which is embarrassing. I mean, if you're going to put in a, a glorified Freddie Galvis, go ahead. And and if you want to That's not fair. I don't think Omar Vizquel's a Hall of Famer, but Omar Vizquel's a Way Freddie better, Galvis, way better baseball player. First of all, you're you're young. You don't remember Omar Vizquel playing. He was not a Hall of Famer. Don't get me wrong, but he was a good baseball player. And he was the him and Ozzie Smith are hands down the two best defensive shortstops. Oh, and Angelton Simmons, of course, the three best defensive shortstops I've ever seen in my lifetime. So Omar Vizquel was as smooth as it gets, and he wasn't like a good hitter, but he ended his career, and I know he played a while, but he had like 2,800 hits or something. He was a really solid baseball player. In 24 years, he compiled 2,800 hits. Congratulations. Anyway. He's he's better than Freddie Galvis. Anyway, the biggest, most egregious thing on this ballot is that he has Andy Pettit in the Hall of Fame and Roy Halladay not, which just quit talking about baseball. Like you should have you should have your your baseball voting card revoked. What has Andy Pettit done to get into the into the Hall of Fame? First off, he's a steroid guy. So if you're gonna put in Andy Pettit, you better get ready to put in everyone else because he's just as big a, 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 of an offender as those guys were. And also, he, which to this person's credit, it does seem like you said they have bonds and clubs. And he also has well. he also has man ram, which is good. But at the same time, Andy Pettit is first off not even in the same category as Kurt Schilling, and is not better than Roy Halladay. At no point in his career was he ever a... Nowhere close. He's nowhere close to either. He was never a top four voter. Like, I just, I don't get this fascination with putting Andy Pettit in the Hall of Fame. It is now my main goal in my life is to keep Andy Pettit out of the Hall of Fame because all these baseball writers are obsessed with putting him in. And then I see this... For what it's worth, I don't think he's going to get in. I don't think he's got this He shouldn't even sniff the ballot. He shouldn't even sniff the ballot. What has Andy Pettit done? Well, Placido Polanco's on the ballot. I think Andy Pettit is well, fine to getting, put him on the ballot. He's actually getting votes. I mean, I saw another ballot today uh, who has who has Clemens, Pettit, and Sosa on the ballot, but not Barry Bonds. Like, what? Well, what is what is your justification? Well, that's just stupid. I, I hate Hall of Fame voters. It's like, well, here's that's and that's the issue, and, and it's the whole thing. And I've said this a million times. This is one of my like number one passion topics in sports is. How how absurd it is to try and make these moral judgments when nobody has any idea how many people were on it, who was on it, when they were on it, and to say, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you weren't on it, but but you were, and you were, and you weren't, like, and even that, like, the point is, you either put none of them in and whitewash the entire era, or you put in the ones who deserve it. Period. End of story. Bonds is a Hall of Famer. Clemens is a Hall of Famer. It's a joke. It is a complete and total joke. 
It is a joke. Right. It is. A, it's a museum. This place is a museum to tell the history of baseball. All right. It's a joke. Let me label for you right now who are absolute stone lock Hall of Famers in the Jack Fritz Hall of Fame voting, which would be perfect, unlike these people. Uh, Bonds, Clemens, Halliday, Edgar Martinez, uh, Manny Ramirez, Mariano, Schilling, and... Larry Walker. That's my eight. Those are the Hall of Famers. I don't put Messina in. I understand. You could do ten. You could do. 10 I know, minutes. but that's the eight. I, I would if I had to p- put ten. I'm pick. You don't have to. I'm picking Messina, and I'm picking uh, Messina, and I guess Todd I Helton. Those are my Todd Helton. I think those are no. I, I think it's nine. I think it's those nine. All right. The nine you named. Did you say Roland? No. He's close. He's close. I but don't know if he is or is he never he's finished, really close. He never finished top 10 in MVP voting. I think that, yeah. I think that matters. Um, it's really interesting. I think the nine you name for me are all Hall of Famers. Like Larry Walker's a Hall of Famer to me. Mucina's a Hall of Famer to me. Schilling. Obviously the big names. Schilling is to me. The big names you said. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I, I, I co-sign the Jack Fritz Hall of Fame. If, if Mariano Rivera does not get unanimous a hundred percent vote just just ban the whole thing just well they i mean it's that's another of my things too it's like this this whole process where it's the percentage of votes and and it takes people this many years you're either a hall of famer or you're not i know there's nothing that happens after your career that makes you more of a hall of fame it's so ridiculous and so silly but um. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I hate this whole thing. Uh, but yes, I think Mo should be a unanimous Hall of Famer. I, I also thought that, uh, you know, uh, there have been other guys who I've thought should be unanimous Hall of Famers. Like, uh, I don't know, Jeter should have been a unanimous Hall of Famer. He wasn't. Um, not not just Yankees either. I mean, Griffey was, was just right there. Bond, I think Barry Bond should be a unanimous Hall of Famer. But, you know, <laughs> that's the world we live in, Jack. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. So... Just, just the whole Hall of Fame thing just makes me so mad. And every time I get, I get so triggered by, by these Hall of Fame vote ballots because, like, like imagine, imagine voting for Andy Pettit over Roy Halladay. Like, what is that? What is that? I can't, I can't, I can't do that. That is something that I will not allow myself to even imagine, Jack. That's a world I don't want to live in. It's the darkest timeline, Jack. It is. It is. Um. All right. Uh, this was fun. I'm happy. Uh, Are we doing I'm final thoughts? We, we move the time up. Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm leading into the final thoughts. All right. God, I, had to, I had to make you, sure. You you are like jacked up on this. Um, <laughs> what I was going to say is this has been fun. I enjoy myself. I'm happy we move this up forward. Rate and review the podcast. It make Jack, makes Jack happy. And Jack, what is your final thought? My final thought is that I have come around to the idea of Zach Britton. This is a thank you. This is a big moment for You're me. Welcome. This is a big moment. So uh, you skewered me. I think people should go back and listen to the Zach Britton. But I said I want Zach Britton. Justin, no, 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 never want that guy. I'm terrible. Well, here's where I came around, Zach Britton. It's a pretty good impression, by the way. I think I, I think I nailed that. Uh, I don't think he did at all. But um, Zach Britton. So in his final month with the Yankees, he didn't allow a single run. He had a .88 uh, batting average against .08. 
batting average against. Uh, the fastball location was much, much better. And he's coming off an ACL injury. And when you're coming off an ACL injury, it's harder to push off that leg. And I think by the end of the end of the season, his location was much, much better. They didn't. They were not putting him in high leverage spots uh, early in his Yankees career. But he he started getting in them in in, in games late in the season. So. Um, Britain, I'm more in on. I still don't want a, a severe overpay, but the guy's only 30. Uh, he'll, he'll be pitching in his age 31 season next year. Uh, the fastball is still 94 to 96. The movement was all back, all that fun stuff. Now he's a full year removed off of the ACL injury. So I'm more in on Britain than I was. I still don't think I like the idea of three years, 45. That seems like a, a pretty high payment. But if I can do three years between 30 and 35 and make it between 10 and 12 million a year, I, I would much rather do that. Than, than go after Andrew Miller because I think Andrew Miller is washed. I mean, Andrew Miller in his last month with the, with the Indians had, had a 6.3 ERA. He was on the DL for three different injuries last year. That is not a good trend. And even if it's two years, twenty million, like I'm just I'm just concerned that you're 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 definitely paying for prior prior performance. And I think he I think he's going to break down and continue to break down. And his fastball was 91. And the slide, like everything was getting ripped from the video I was watching today. So um, I, I don't really like the idea of Andrew Miller. I understand the idea that you want to bring him in because he can go the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, whatever. Whatever Gabe Kapler needs, Andrew Miller can do it. I just don't think he can do it anymore. I love that your, your two-minute final thought was just more Phillies talk. That's terrific. Um, great <laughs> it's, job, it's Jack. Uh, uh, Jack can't help himself. I'm sure we'll be podcast. If there's an emergency pod need, we'll be there. But I'm sure we'll be podcasting sooner than uh, than we schedule it for because Jack will bug out again. My final thought as I sit and uh, and watch Monday Night Football as we talk here and I, I lose a fantasy matchup because stupid Lamar Miller runs for 97 yards. Anyone who's listening to this podcast, and certainly at this point this deep in the podcast, is a massive baseball fan and a massive Phillies fan. And maybe plays fantasy football because everyone plays fantasy football, it seems like. If you are one of those people but who is not playing fantasy baseball, you're doing it wrong. Fantasy baseball, as I am watching this and thinking about how annoyed I am with fantasy football, a PSA to everyone out there, and I'm sure you're already all smart enough to play fantasy baseball and enjoy it way more than fantasy football, but fantasy baseball is so much better than fantasy football. It's not even close. It's like it's like chess and checkers. Uh, not even comparable. So if you don't play fantasy baseball and you're a big enough fan to be listening to this right now, start playing fantasy baseball. And, may- right. and maybe maybe we'll even do a high hopes fantasy baseball league. Ooh, Jack. See, look at look at With where his serious, head is. With some serious, serious baseballers. I like this. All right, yeah. If you'd be interested in that, tweet at us. Let us know because because uh, that would certainly be something I would be interested in. Uh, as uh, Jack uh, and I both can't get enough fantasy baseball. As you know, we can't get enough baseball. That's why we're talking now and not tomorrow. All right. Um, Again, rate and review the podcast. We really appreciate it. We'll be back soon, emergency or not, or both. Either way, uh, for Fritz, I'm Seltzer. We'll talk to you guys soon.